Welcome to Across the Margin of the Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Shields. Across the Margin of the Podcast is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Check out all their offerings at OsirisPod.com. In this episode, I'm thrilled to present an interview with Tara Watson, professor of economics at Williams College and a co-editor of the Journal of Human Resources, the leading academic journal in labor economics, as well as Kaylee Thompson, a journalist and senior editor at Wirecutter and the author of Deadly at Sea, the untold story behind the greatest rescue in Coast Guard history. Tara and Kaylee are the co-authors of The Border Within, The Economics of Immigration in an Age of Fear, which is the focus of this episode. It's a profoundly eye-opening analysis of the costs and effects of immigration and immigration policy, both on American life and on new Americans. For decades now, Immigration has been one of the most divisive, contentious topics in American politics. And for decades, urgent calls for its policy reform have gone mostly unanswered. As the discord surrounding the modern immigration debate has intensified, border enforcement has tightened. Crossing harsher, less porous borders makes unauthorized entry to the United States a permanent, costly undertaking. And the challenges don't end on the other side. At once enlightening and devastating, the border within examines the cost and ends of America's interior enforcement. The policies and agencies, including ICE, aimed at removing immigrants already living in the country. Economist Tara Watson and journalist Kaylee Thompson pair rigorous analysis with deeply personal stories from immigrants and their families to assess immigration's effects on every aspect of American life, from the labor force to social welfare programs to tax revenue. What emerges is a critical, utterly complete examination of what non-Native Americans bring to the country, including immigration's tendency to elevate the wages and skills of those who are Native-born. In this episode, me, Tara, and Kaylee discuss the crucial focus of the book, that is, the interior immigration enforcement, while dispelling a bevy of myths surrounding immigration regarding the economic benefits of immigration, immigrants' effect on crime rates, and the effectiveness, or lack thereof, of enforcement by agencies such as ICE. We discuss a concept known as chilling effects and ponder what an ideal internal enforcement approach would look like. Ultimately, this episode celebrates the essential work that is The Border Within, a book with far-reaching implications for immigrants and non-immigrants alike. I can't tell you how insightful this book is, and this interview gives you a good idea of what is in it, so I have no doubt you will enjoy this interview with Tara Watson and Kaylee Thomas. Cross the margin. So, uh, again, thank you for joining. Um, uh, to kind of kick it off, I think a good place to start would be to kind of discuss the focus of the book. As so many times when, you know, people talk about borders, I think their minds go straight down to the border with Mexico and, and what happens there. But this is a whole different thing and a very important aspect of the whole immigration thing. So if you could talk a little bit about the, the focus of the book, uh, I'd love to hear it. Sure. We were interested in understanding the effects of interior enforcement, meaning enforcement happening within the border of the United States. We thought there had been a lot of attention paid to the southern border, especially. 
and less attention um, than it really deserved paid to the, the experiences of people who are living and working in the U.S. for long periods of time and then have um, enforcement activity affect their lives. So that's been the focus. We also wanted to build a little context with um, the economics of immigration mm -hmm. and talk to several families about their experiences and how they um, live in a context with this changing policy environment. Absolutely. These, I want to talk about those stories in a second to really give a human aspect to everything and, and put it all in perspective. But um, I want to ask about kind of the process here a little bit, because there's some impressive teamwork I'm noticing uh, between you two and kind of, I'd love to hear what you, you know, you both brought to the table and, and just, it's, it's, I always think it's so interesting when people team up and put out a piece of work like this. So I'd love to hear about that. Sure. So the book really um, was sort of motivated or grew out of Tara's academic work. And um, she had focused on um, chilling effects, some chilling effects and different um, policies and how they impacted um, these types of immigrants. People have been living in the United States for quite a few years. So she actually approached me. I'm a I'm a journalist. I've covered a wide variety of subjects. Tara is um, an economist at at Williams College, and just coincidentally, at the time, I had written a magazine piece about a young undocumented immigrant who was um, a really accomplished runner, and you know the the um, it was really a fitness story, sort of that was mm -hmm. intersecting with immigration. And so it just was kind of an interesting, um, you know, time, like timeliness, the way that the two thing, the two, our two projects sort of coincided because we'd known each other for many, many years. Hmm. So Tara proposed that we work together on this. The editor at the University of Chicago Press really liked that idea. And our original um, plan was definitely that Tara would focus obviously on her area of expertise, the policy. And I would be focusing on finding and interviewing mm. um, families whose experience would would really illustrate some of the the policies and issues that were that we're discussing in the book. Um, over time, the the lines became a little bit blurrier than that. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. quite as um, clear cut in the end. And now, when I read the book, I feel like we pretty much wrote every paragraph together. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. I, I, I mean, it really covering from both aspects, really, I don't know, it's something like, like I was kind of alluding to, not only do you get like all the stats and just the, the real facts about things, but you get this human element. And I want to ask about that. These stories, they come from, you know, all over the place, potato farms in Massachusetts, you know, traffic stops in Iowa. I mean, Washington State, California, you really get a grip, uh, an idea that this, you know, this is really affecting people's lives all over our country. But I'm curious how, you kind of came upon these stories, how how you chose these stories and, and you know, what it was like when, you know, you came upon these families and, and, and talked about it with them. Yeah, I would say it was just a building process. I mean, we started, I think right from the beginning, we sort of had the idea that we wanted to um, tell multiple family stories um, and have ideally, a, you know, some diversity in the types of families that we were focusing on. So we sort of wanted to have geographic diversity across the United States, as well as, um, you know, different experiences in terms of people's jobs and the kind of work they were doing, because really, like, 
work and the, you know, the job market is a really big mm-hmm. part of what we're focusing on um, in the book. So it really was, you know, we found a few people, there were, there were a lot of, um, a lot more families and people, individuals that we interviewed um, whose stories ultimately did not make it into the book. So there was sort of a, a narrowing down process. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a mix. I mean, some of the, the families, that, uh, so there are six different families um, that we profile in the book. And the thing that they have in common is that every one of them um, has one or more undocumented family members and all of them at some point um, in their time in the United States have had um, basically an interaction with the internal enforcement system and in a couple of cases like actually being deported, but most of the time, you know, sort of sort of fighting through a process of dealing with um, the internal enforcement system. So that that's really the main commonality. Um, and some, a couple of them we found sort of through um, kind of friends of friends, like acquaintances, pe- professional acquaintances that we knew who helped us connect with people. And in a couple of other, in a few of the other cases, it was um, really through local community groups that were working to help immigrants um, that we found these families. Yeah. And, and I'll just add uh, one, one reason that we didn't include everyone uh, that we talked to is that some of the stories sounded very familiar. So yeah, we didn't yeah. want to just have uh, sort of very common themes uh, mm-hmm. for multiple people. We didn't think that would be as interesting to read, but it's not that we selected people who had particularly unusual uh, stories. These were quite common stories. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, a concept that was already alluded to that I think was really, I think it's really important kind of at the heart of this book is this idea of chilling effects um, and kind of, you know, what what that means in regard to immigration and, you know, how immigrants um interact with with you know uh, uh healthcare systems education systems um all social services really um i would love if you guys could uh someone could explain actually what that is what these chilling effects are and 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 how it relates to immigrants the concept of chilling effects comes from actually the idea of free speech and if you do mm-hmm. certain things that inhibit people's desire to speak freely um, that is considered chilling effects. So for example, if the post office writes down that you got a communist pamphlet in the mail, mm-hmm. the Supreme Court has decided that's a chilling effect on your right to receive that pamphlet, even if there's no explicit prohibition on receiving the pamphlet. There's just this um, external effect beyond what's written in the, in the letter of the law on the way that you behave and your ability to exercise your rights. So in this context, the idea of the chilling effect is we have a law on the books or we um, enact enforcement activity and it has spillovers into other domains that aren't directly meant to be affected. Mm-hmm. So in the case of healthcare, particularly that's something I've studied, the kids of immigrants, undocumented immigrants, many of them are citizens mm-hmm. and therefore entitled to public benefits, including the Medicaid program, which is public health insurance for low income people. And of course, there are many reasons you would want children to have access to healthcare, and we think that's good for society in general. However, parents 
are understandably reluctant to come and sign their children up for healthcare when uh, there's a lot of enforcement activity going on in an area. So one of my earlier papers looked at these chilling effects, the idea that parents don't sign their kids up for health insurance mm -hmm. um, when there's really active um, enforcement happening on the ground. And that therefore means those children don't have access to this program, which they are entitled to as citizens. Yeah, yeah, really, really devastating stuff. So something that that's so special about this book is it really kind of um, breaks apart these myths uh, in a lot of different ways and through statistics and just, you know, it really shows what's really happening because you just hear so many different things out there in the ether about, you know, what, what how this really affects the country. And one of those things is about the economic benefits of uh, of immigration. You know, I think there's a lot of uh, negative, negative thoughts about what it would do. But I mean, you guys, you showed beautifully how, the economic benefits uh, of immigration. Uh, and I think it'd be, it's important to hear about that. The economic literature is pretty overwhelmingly positive when it comes to the aggregate benefits of immigration to the economy. So you're literally expanding the economy by having more workers come. Mm -hmm. Those workers have different skills and complementary skills to those of US born workers. So in many cases that will make US born workers more productive. Um, immigrants pay taxes. They buy goods and services that also fuels the economy. So economists are, are actually pretty, uh, it, it's hard to find a lot of consensus among economists, but most of them would agree with the statement that uh, immigration is really good for the economy. The Where the controversy comes in is really about wage effects and not wage effects overall, which are mm -hmm. uh, probably positive, but definitely not negative for the average U.S. born worker. Mm -hmm. But at the bottom of the income distribution, there is some concern that uh, we could be reducing the wages of the yeah. workers who compete most directly with immigrants. So that would tend to be people with less than high school degree. Mm -hmm. And um, the literature here is is kind of mixed. Um, where people see the biggest impacts are actually new immigrants reducing the wages of previous waves of immigrants. Mm. So that because you can imagine those are the groups that are most directly competing with those waves of immigrants. But for most workers, having immigrants come to the U.S. is actually a benefit. benefit. Yeah, you, yeah, you point that out, the higher education um, natives, it actually helps them a whole lot. And, you know, that's part of the one of the valid concerns I was going to ask about. It does could affect less educated uh, population, but even the survival of some businesses depend on foreign-born workers. I mean, I work in a uh, arboriculture. I'm a certified arborist, and the whole business I think would fall apart without without the work, the incredible hardworking workers that I work with every day. It's amazing. Um, so stresses on governments. Another one. The I think there's an idea out there that that immigrants stress government systems, but that's not the truth either, right? I've actually been working on this more lately since the book was published. If you look overall. The best evidence suggests that immigrants are also good for the fiscal picture, meaning mm -hmm. the amount that governments bring in versus the amount that they spend. And that's especially true at the federal government level. So immigrants come, they tend to have very high labor force participation rates. In other words, they work. Um, they contribute to social security, payroll taxes, they contribute to the Medicare program. And just by virtue of having a lot of young workers, that's really good for um, what is the core fiscal issue for the federal government, which is funding Social Security and Medicare. Mm -hmm. It's a little more complicated, actually, at the state and local level. 
some states do benefit from um, having immigrants in their areas, but some local air, local governments, especially those that have newly arrived, less educated um, immigrants, in the sh very short run, there are going to be services provided, such as education for the kids, um, that cost those governments money and those governments don't see the immediate tax revenues to support that. Yeah. So in some places that are receiving a lot of uh, less educated immigrants, there is a short-term negative impact in, in a direct fiscal way. There's yeah. still good economic benefits. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing I've been thinking about is how we can take those gains that are coming to the country as a whole, and especially the federal government, and redistribute some of them to local areas where um, they're feeling the pinch when they get new arrivals. Yeah, you also point out that usually, um, you know, many of these immigrants uh, are not even eligible for these services that 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 the people act like they're stressing as well. Um, crime rates, this is obviously a big one, something that's really spoken about uh, in the media. But I mean, the, you, you speak about how evidence proves that immigrants do not raise crime rates. Is that the case? That is the case. That's, that's, that's really, it's such an important thing to put out there in the world. And I, I feel that speaks to the importance of your book that's important to know about. This is an area there's very little controversy on as wow, well. Cool. Um, it, it's really very clear that immigrants are less likely to um, participate in crime and that yeah. crime rates don't rise when immigrants come to the U.S. That's, a, that's such an important thing. One more myth I want to uh, uh, kind of talk about is the enforcement um, effectiveness. I mean, the, the 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 fact of the matter is this stat, which just blew my mind, billions of dollars are spent, um, you know, that they spend is result in fewer than 100,000 individuals deported each year, less than 1% of the unauthorized population. So, I mean, it's not even an effective system. I think if you, um, you know, look at, look at some of the stories that we tell in our book, which mm -hmm. is Tara, Tara mentioned at the start, are just so, so common. I mean, the story, you know, the story of the undocumented immigrant who gets pulled over in a, in a very, you know, kind of everyday sort of traffic stop situation and ends up in, de in deportation proceedings. Um, you know, we heard this story so many times in the reporting of this book. There's so many, you know, stories all over the country of this kind of situation. And when you really just start thinking about the resources that are going into that, I mean, you know, one of one of the immigrants that that we focus on, um, a woman in Ohio, Annabelle Barron, yep. mother of, you know, four children going to her job. And, you know, she was speeding, going 10 miles over the speed limit. She got pulled over. Like, was it racial profiling? Maybe like, mm -hmm. you know, we, we can't know that 100% for sure, but um, the bottom line is, you know, she was, she, she made a small mistake. That's the type of small mistake that any, any of us could make just about any of us could make. And as a result, you know, she ended up, you know, arrested dealing with years and years of trying to fight, System, fight yeah. this lawyer, you know, lawyers. Um, and it's it's just the amount of time and resources and money that it that it was spent trying to, you know, criminalize someone like her, you know, is really just wasted. I mean, it's hard yeah. for me to think of it as anything other than complete wasted resources when she is clearly 
an extremely productive member of society. She has citizen children, you know, who were born in this country. And um, so I think you just see, yeah, kind of the extreme, you know, waste of it. Yeah, the ineffectiveness. Um, And just the whole thing, and, you know, talking about the story of Annabelle, just reading these stories, it just, the whole thing is so cruel. It's a real, real, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's just heartbreakingly cruel, but it's, there is no clear evidence that this cruelty and the, and the way they, they, you know, uh, treat these, um, you know, unauthorized population works. That's also speaks to ineffectiveness. And I was curious, you know, if you could answer the question, why has the U S seemed to double down on this, uh, this strategy and this, and this, and this cruelness to speak frankly. One possibility is that the cruelty and the chaos of the system Mm -hmm. is viewed as a way to make it more effective. And like you said, we don't see evidence that that's the case. It's it's actually really hard to measure uh, and it would be hard to know one way or the other. But I think um, there's obviously a divide in the country about what the best approach is. And um, Right now, it seems that there is not a lot of political incentive for people to come together and decide that they want to reform the system in a positive way, even though I do think most American people would see that there are clear ways we could improve the system. And most American people are concerned about um, undocumented immigration, but also aren't cruel and don't want to see people treated in this way. Yeah. Yeah, you just mentioned improving the system. This is one something I'm 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 been looking forward to ask about. There's a great list, kind of towards the end of an uh, you know ideal you know ways to um, you know kind of improve this internal uh, enforcement approach. Um, and if you, I know there's you know I, I really the listener should really check out the list uh, in in you know in in its entirety uh, towards the end of the book. But if you could speak a little bit about what those what those goals look like, I'd love to hear it. Well, we started from a perspective of thinking about things that were politically feasible. Mm -hmm. uh, And that means taking seriously that this is a system where we think there are borders and those borders have some legitimacy. Um, But also recognizing there are very human costs to the type of enforcement that's happening. And one way to think about it is the type of enforcement that we're doing is not proportionate to the harm that uh, having undocumented immigrants mm-hmm. is has to the U.S. In fact, we would argue that for the most part, having undocumented immigrants is, this, having this population in the U.S. is, is quite helpful. To, uh, yeah. It'd be better if they were not mm-hmm. undocumented uh, for both them and society as a whole. But, um, you know, thinking about the way we treat other types of violations, you could imagine something like a fine or, um, community service or some way of recognizing there are rules and we want people to follow those rules, but when they violate those rules, the the penalty should not be being separated from their family or spending 10 years going every six months and not knowing if that's the last time you're going to see your kids for a while. So um, it, thinking about a system that would be more humane, mm-hmm. that would allow people to be able to stay in the US, assuming that they are um, contributing, which mm-hmm. most immigrants are, yeah. and um, and being able to stay with their families. Yeah, really, really outstanding lists and ideas. And just, it is, it's humane. It's, it's 
you know, takes out that cruelty that we were speaking of. I want to ask you kind of a left field question to bring bring it home a little bit. But um, so much has changed since you uh, started writing the book. I know this has been a long process, and you know this this, this is such a dynamic, um, always always moving, um, you know, story here more than a story. But if there was something you would write about, or you know, if you were, were bring this book to life now, or just stories that you've come upon recently, is there anything you would be thinking about or some stories that that really are on the top of your mind when it comes to this currently? I've been thinking a lot about the politics of it. Uh-huh. And we started this book a long time ago. We originally hoped to get it out before the 2016 election, which yeah, when you started around, <laughs> around 2013. Did I see? Is that when we started? Yeah. 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 Um, and, you know, in a sense, the issue never goes away. So yeah. we have that working for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but Right now, the politics seem especially broken and trying to understand why that is and where there's common ground is something that I've been spending some time thinking about. Which is so important. Absolutely so important. Well, I love the book. It's really, it, it, it really, it just laid out so much of what I think is, is, you know, these myths and these these ideas that are used to kind of uh, keep these people in, in really tough spots. So it's, it's really, it's great to talk about. I'm glad to get some further insight here. So thank you both for coming on the program. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.